Nick DiGiulio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock. Um, uh, every month we talk with Ian Schur, editor-at-large at CNET.com, and uh, we uh, talk tech. All the latest tech news and tech stories we cover with uh, with Ian, and uh, he is he's joining us now. Hello, Ian. Hi, how are you doing? All right, how are you, sir? I am doing well. You know, I'm I'm getting used to this whole East Coast weather thing. Having moved from San Francisco, it's a little weird. You know, yeah, seasons and all of that. I'm I'm not cool with it, but I'm I'm getting used to it. <laughs> well, San Francisco. Uh, you know, has 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 beautiful weather, but it's it's a little bit different on the East Coast. Are you in New York now? No, I'm actually in Washington D.C. Oh, you're so in D.C. Yeah, I have to contend with the hot air coming from Capitol Hill. All oh, the time. there you go. Hello. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, tell me about. Uh, remind me about CNET. So CNET is the world's largest tech news site. We uh, actually basically review anything you can imagine, laptops, phones, anything that has a power cord, we're probably going to have an opinion about it. Right. And one of the great things that we really try to do these days is, and the thing that brought me over from the Wall Street Journal and my, my career at Reuters and everything, was that I love that CNET really focuses on how tech impacts our lives, right? It's not just, hey, this is a cool new device, but is it going to matter to you? Is it going to change the way you work? And by the way, that latest Facebook, Facebook screw-up, what does it mean for you? Are we just yelling at Mark Zuckerberg for fun, or is it actually something important? Yeah. All those types of things we try to talk about. Yeah, it's a great it, it is a, it is a, it's a great resource and a great website, and you guys do a really good job. Well, um, thank you. We try. <laughs> and if anybody wants to learn about tech or be informed about what's going on in the tech world, uh, you've got to check out CNET.com. All right, we have you on once a month, Ian. It's always, always fun, always a pleasure. Um, and uh, let's get to uh, some of the some of the news uh, things that you you guys have been covering over at CNET. Um, yeah. Elon Musk, boy, this guy this guy's name pops up a lot when we talk, uh, Ian. Yes, and he is one of the richest people in the world now. Yeah. So you're going to be hearing a lot more about him over the next few years, I think. Yeah, it's funny when we, you know, he 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 pops up when we talk about uh, cars too. We have a we have a regular uh, automotive spot on the show once a month, and Elon Musk, you know, the cars pop up and all this other everything. So let's talk yes. about this Neuralink device. Um, it's focused on the computer, but what about the brain? That's the latest uh, piece that you've written about. You guys have written about. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. So if you haven't heard of the Neuralink, I don't blame you. It's hard to keep track of all the different stuff Elon Musk does. Yeah. I, I try to figure out how he has find, finds time to eat or sleep or watch a movie or anything, really. Uh, but one of the things that he's doing is that he's working on a company that's actually building technology to, to wire your brain. And I know it sounds a little sci-fi, but the basic idea is that they're able to take a computer chip and read the impulses in your brain. And this is real science. This isn't just Star Trek stuff. Yeah. And what they'll be able to do is uh, have a computer respond to it. So 
imagine the the undefined future, right? We're we're not there yet. We're not even close. But imagine a future where they have one of these things implanted into your brain. And let's say you're a, a quadriplegic, right? And some part of your body, you know, that the, the uh, there was a sever in the nerves, and suddenly you're not able to use anything below your neck. Well, it, this computer, in theory, could be attached where that severed nerve is, and actually send the impulses from your brain back to your body and you would get full motion of your body again. Again, in theory, this is not proven that we're not even close, right. but that's the idea behind what they're trying to do. Wow. So, right. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. And you know, look, there's a lot, a lot of questions that come with this. First off, how do we make sure this is safe, right? I mean, you're, you're talking about implanting a computer chip, which is decidedly not organic, <laughs> into a brain, which is one of the most sensitive parts of our body. And one of the things, by the way, that despite all of our efforts, we know the least about, right? And so I think one of the really fascinating things we deal with here is that as we're, we're moving into this world of what they call a computer-to-brain interface, and it's not just Tesla's, uh, Elon Musk playing with this, by the way. Google's playing with this. We've got Facebook has talked about it. I'm sure there's a bunch of other people to, to playing with it, not to mention the military. Everyone's interested in this stuff, right? So the thing is that as we move into this stuff, how do we make sure it's safe and reliable and, and all this very important stuff? And we don't know yet, but one of the things Elon Musk tried to do to make us feel a little better about it is that he showed us it in three different pigs. So what he did was in one pig, he showed us just a completely normal pig, right? Had never And how their brain activity worked and that they were a normal, normal pig. They had another pig that they had inserted the 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 chip into and then removed the chip and showed the pig was perfectly fine. Right? It was eating, it was walking around, it was being a pig. And then the third one, they actually showed the chip implanted into the pig's brain and the signals that were being read as the pig moved around and sniffed something, suddenly a signal went up. If it ate something, signal went up again. And Elon Musk kind of talked about it as kind of a Fitbit for your brain right now, right? They're not entirely sure what they'll do with it. But it, it says something that they were even able to detect and start to uh, start to actually figure out when the pig was about to walk. And there's a video we have on CNET. This is amazing, where the computer actually predicts where the pig's uh, feet will go before the feet actually move, because it's capturing the brainwave activity beforehand. So there's a lot of really fascinating stuff going on here. But again totally sci-fi not there yet yeah well i mean he's always working ahead of time i mean he's you know whether he's building rockets or doing stuff with cars or you know whatever i mean this guy's all over the place he's he's definitely you know using it, it you know it, to say this guy's one of the richest guys in the world but he's using his money at least in interesting ways you know trying to do something different yeah i think uh one of my favorite there was a i don't know if you've ever heard of it but on on youtube there's this really great channel called Epic Rap Battles of History. If yeah. you haven't looked it up, yeah. it is just spectacularly funny. You have to be of a certain type to enjoy it, right? If you if you liked Airplane the movie, this is your type of thing. Yeah. And one of them that they had was Mark Zuckerberg versus 
Elon Musk. And I, there was this line that was in it that I just always think about, which is Elon Musk saying, I'm a Tony Stark with a James Bond sprinkle t- tossed in. And that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. That's, that's pretty accurate, I think. Um, in, the, uh, in the piece that's uh, at CNET uh, right now, um, uh, you guys spoke with Angus Mc, uh, McMorland, who is a bioengineer in New Zealand, about um, how complex the brain is. Um, And he was quoted as saying, in the brain we have some 80 billion neurons, and many times that number of connections between them. It's it's such a complex thing, Um, and he's got some reservations about it. Uh, What are some some other people thinking about this? Yeah, I think that the, the biggest concern is kind of getting back to this idea that we don't actually understand the brain at all. Like, one, I, I find it really fascinating, and I, I suffer from migraines I have since I was a teenager, mm. and they're pretty serious. I have to take daily medication. And one of the fascinating things about it is that the medication I take is not a medication for migraines. It's actually for something else. But they found that it helps with migraines. And when I ask the doctors why, they say, we don't really know, but it works. <laughs> and it's just kind of, it's like voodoo science, right? No one really knows. Yeah. And I think that's what, what really worries a lot of these scientists is that we barely understand our brains to the point that we do. We don't even actually understand the biology of our consciousness, let alone anything else. Yeah. So inserting a computer into our brains is, is a really scary thought, right? And, you know, until we really have a better handle on it, there's a large question about, should we do this? Right. And, you know, it's because there's always the sci-fi's point of being, right? The reason I love reading and watching sci-fi is it always gets to that question, just because we can, should we actually do it? And it, it And that debate, I think, is playing out in real time. But I will say, I appreciate that Elon Musk is so forthright and often chasing so much press because in this case he's able to spark this conversation arguably decades before the technology is actually real. And so we're going to be able to have a discussion for quite a while about whether we're comfortable with this yeah. and whether this is what the way, road we want to go down or whether we should try something else. And and eventually we'll come to a decision. But I like that, that we're doing that now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I just think I, I think Elon Musk is a fascinating guy. I, I, I really do. And like I said uh, before, you know, the guy's got, you know, a ton of money, but he's at least spending it and then using it to explore different things and maybe, like you said, at least getting a conversation started about something that we should be talking about. Um, yeah, I so, mean, look, he got he got Americans into space again. That's more than we can say for our government. I mean, yeah. it's, it's rather amazing what he's been able to do. And yeah. I'll tell you, my, my younger son, we watched the, uh, the, the Dragon launch right. together. And then we watched the the uh, Falcon Heavy, which was the bigger, right. uh, you know, the big. I think it's the biggest active rocket we have right now. I forget. But one of the really fascinating things, if you watch that video, which of course we have a video of on CNET, is that you can actually see the boosters land on their own afterward. And it is for for those of us who grew up watching the uh, shuttles and everything. You all knew, right? That the, the once the rockets are used. They go into the ocean, and that's it. We never get to use right. them again. They sit in a museum. Right. And the idea that, that we've been able to get this far, it feels magical, right? Yeah. And I think that's what 
he has been so good at capturing is this this moment in technology where, yeah, it is feasible, right? I'm sure we could have landed rockets on their own a long time ago, but, you know, for whatever reasons, NASA just never did it. Right. But the fact that he did just really captures our imagination. It's like, wow, we do live in the future, and that is so cool. Yeah. All right, Ian, hang on. Uh, yeah. Ian Schur is with us, uh, editor-at-large at CNET.com. We talk all kinds of uh, tech stories, and uh, we got more tech talk coming up right here on 720 WGN. All right. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Um, Ian Schur joins us uh, once a month. He is uh, editor-at-large at CNET.com. We always have a lot of uh, a lot of interesting and fun times talking tech with Ian. Uh, hello, Ian. Hi. Uh, okay, so we've all uh, been learning about the, these things called deep fakes uh, that have kind of you know taken over the social media uh and and uh the the internet and now microsoft's got new tech spot that can new tech that can spot deep fakes yeah this is one of the discussions i think i've been really fascinated by over the last few years is this deep fake technology right which if you haven't seen it i really urge you to go to cnet and watch one of the videos we've put up about it what it does is it allows someone to take a video or audio and manipulate it using a computer program in a way that it actually looks like the person who's in the video or the audio actually said and did stuff that they didn't do and it's, right. it's amazing so one of my favorite examples so far comes from massachusetts institute of technology they spent more than six months building a computer program that would allow them to create a deep fake of Richard Nixon. And the reason was because Richard Nixon, it, it was just found like a couple of decades ago that in his, li- in his library sat this speech he wrote that was written up uh, two days before the moon landing, right, in 1969. And this speech was if they failed. Right. And it is actually like a really, I mean, you have to think about how tough a personality Nixon is in our history now. And to say this is rather remarkable, and I really mean it, it's a really touching speech. And the, what MIT did is they brought it to life. They actually took Richard Nixon's uh, face and voice and used a computer program to have him give the speech. And it is, I mean, it, it makes your skin tingle. Like, it's incredible to see it happen because it never actually happened in real life, but there he is doing it. And and this is what deep fakes can be. So, of course, there's a lot of concern about the future of how they could disrupt our elections, how they could cause all sorts of misinformation and disinformation. And one of the conversations going on is that the uh, research into this is way ahead of the research to figure out whether or not a deep fake is real or fake. Yeah. And so Microsoft has said, okay, we're going to build a program because, you know, they, they've created programs in the past. They they actually built a really great program called PhotoDNA that's used by police to identify child porn on the Internet. And it's, it's I mean, it's one of the most amazing tools that's out there. Most people don't know about it. But this technology will identify a deepfake. And I think the really smart thing is that they're also building technology that will allow people like the BBC or movie companies like Paramount or my employer, CBS, 
to be able to upload their videos and then get a special fingerprint that then they can put out on the web. And whenever you watch a video from them, you know that that is their video. It hasn't been manipulated. It hasn't been played with. That fingerprint is theirs. And that would be a way to counteract this whole concern. So it's, it's really interesting to see how these things are changing over time. Yeah, well, I mean, you got the, the, the I think this, some of these deep fake things are kind of uh, are really sort of terrifying. Um, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously. And I've, I've seen some of them and some of them are, you know, this technology is pretty amazing. Um, you know, from the simplest deep fakes of, you know, like somebody, you know, putting, you know, Jim Carrey in The Shining, you know, uh, put, like like putting Jim Carrey's face on, on Nicholson's face. Uh, and it looks amazing. It looks like Jim Carrey was the star of The Shining. And um you know, but but like like we said, this 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 uh, disinformation could could happen during the election. That's not cool. I mean, that's really scary. Yeah, I mean, I think you know when you think about uh, the election, you know, imagine all these gaffes that have changed the way that elections run. I mean, arguably, you look at you know during twenty twelve when Obama talked about. Uh, you didn't build that, right? When that was one of the big quotes that came from him, yeah. uh, talking about how the government helps people and it and makes small businesses be able to thrive and stuff like you know roads make that all possible. Well, that became a huge talking point during the Republican convention, and then Mitt Romney had his famous forty-seven percent quote, right, where he he said that forty-seven percent of the country by default isn't going to vote for him, so he's not even thinking about trying to turn them in his election. And it's those types of things that really turn the election and imagine if those were fake yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or something worse happened right i mean everyone uh talks about the the steel dossier and the and the famous tape that supposedly the russians have that you know a lot of people always talk about was well, that real imagine if someone created a fake version of it that seemed so real that we had to stop and wonder and those are the things that really scare the people who are looking at how this technology is is getting so good at what it does yeah yeah and also uh but now i do want to mention this because in the uh in the piece um that's at cnet.com you guys also uh let people know that there is a a website called spotdeepfakes.org spotdeepfakes.org and um what what's what what, what happens when you visit that yeah, so the idea actually, Microsoft created this website to encourage you to actually learn about how deepfakes work, because I think one of the biggest things that they're, they think to counteract this stuff is to know that it exists in the first place. So what they do is they actually have you kind of uh, challenged to figure out, okay, is this a deepfake or is this real? And you get to learn how effective this stuff can be. Um, and so I think it's really smart. You know, one of the things I wanted to bring up also is that a lot of times when I talk about deepfakes, people ask me why do these things even exist other than to create trouble. And the reasons are that a lot of video game companies and entertainment companies and movie companies are increasingly turning to this because it's cheaper than doing CGI, right? It actually can yeah. be incredibly effective. So for them, this is a massive, massive thing that could change the way that they make movies. I mean, you remember Princess Leia in the Solo yeah. movie. Yeah. They had to recreate her. Well, now they could have just used a deep fake. It could have taken them so much less time and money, and it would have looked better. Yeah. So it's that type of thing that's really important to think about when you think, well, why does this even exist? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, the piece is uh, uh, very interesting, and uh, Microsoft's new tech can spot deep fakes to fight disinformation ahead of the uh, 2020 U.S. election. And it's, a, it's up there right now on CNET.com.
All right. Uh, so Samsung is releasing the Galaxy Galaxy Z Fold Two. Uh, Try saying that five times. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's two grand. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. I, I just yeah. Look, some people have some impressive nerve. I have to say. So um, you know, on top of cre- creating this device that. Is, is impossible to remember how it's named. Uh, this is a really fascinating thing. So we've been talking about foldable phones for a long time. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, and, and it's a really fascinating world, right? Like this idea of taking a tablet, folding it in half. Now I've got a phone. Cool. Well, the thing is, the technology right now is still in its infancy. And uh, Samsung announced the second generation of it, called the Z Fold Two. Um, they also have one called the Z Flip 2. The difference between them is that the Fold is a tablet, and the Flip is kind of like one of those old flip phones, which is kind of cool. Uh-huh. And they cut, and we're talking about $2,000 for it. And, you know, look, I am all for high technology and the future. I love it. That's why I work in the job I do. But it's so hard to imagine people buying this in the middle of an economic catastrophe that we're going through. Yeah. And, and, and so I wonder what Samsung is thinking other than tech for tech's sake. And, and that's what kind of is interesting to see play out over this whole device. Yeah. Well, wh- when is it going to be, when do they say it's going to be available? Yeah. So it comes out September 18th. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how people respond you may remember with the first Galaxy Fold, if you were paying attention last year, they uh, reviewers that they sent it out to, you know, typically the tech companies send out the device to reviewers a week or two ahead of time, give them some time to play with it, then they write their reviews. Right. Well, during, and then the device comes out at the end of those reviews, right? They usually, the device comes out that week. Well, Samsung, it turned out that there were a number of reviewers that found flaws, fatal flaws in the Galaxy Fold. In fact, the screen was falling apart when yeah. they were using it. Yeah. And it was, it was terrible. So they had to recall all the devices. They pulled them off the shelves while they were, before they even got on the shelves. And they had to re-engineer. It took them months. And then they came out with the device, and everyone's like, well, at least it didn't break. So I'm curious to see what the second generation of it's going to do and whether or not it's going to be able to live through the paces that we at CNET and a bunch of other people are going to put it through. Yeah. At a, at a, at a, at a, at a price tag of two grand, how are pre-sales going? We don't know. And uh, I would imagine that Samsung is probably not going to tell us because I have to imagine that they're not that high. And... You know, I think that Samsung is aware that this is a premium device and that they are trying to kind of, you know, it's one of those, uh, it's almost the tech equivalent of one of those um, promotional cars, right, that, that the companies come out with, right? These, these idea of the car of the future. Well, this is the phone of the future. But, you know, it, it, the thing that I think will be interesting, really, is whether or not they're able to see enough justification for its existence to have a Galaxy Fold 3 and then a Galaxy Fold 4. And typically when we get to that point, people start to pay attention. Okay. Now, in uh, there, there there are trade-offs that were made when the original uh, Fold came out, um, and it came with uh, free Galaxy Buds, which actually retailed for $130, and a two-part protective case. Uh, are, are there going to be any kind of trade-offs like that when uh, this new one comes out? You know, one of the things that they're doing is that they're getting, I think, a little more um, bold. <laughs> so you're going to have to provide your own earbuds this time around. Ah. And so there you go for that. And, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see 
whether or not they are going to encourage people to wear to have a case. You know, the screen was so uh, sensitive last time around. I mean, literally, because the screen was made of plastic, you could actually scratch it so easy with your fingernail. Yeah. This time around, they say it's made with some combination glass thing. We haven't tested it, so we don't know, but um, it's it's some combination of glass and plastic. Right. And supposedly that'll be better. And if so, great, good for them. But if not, you know, people may be encouraged to buy a case. Although, honestly, if you're carrying this thing around, you know that you have a premium device. Maybe you've got the extra $2,000 if it breaks to buy another one. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. All right. All right, Ian, hang on, okay? Mm-hmm. Ian Schur is with us, editor-at-large, CNET.com, and we're talking tech talk. Uh, Samsung's Galaxy Z Fold 2. Two grand, and it comes out in, uh, in uh, the middle of the month. So, All right. Uh, more tech talk coming up right here on 720 WGN. Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. We are live in the Skyline studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. 312-981-7200 is the phone number right here on uh, WGN. And uh, we're talking with uh, Ian Schur. He joins us once a month to talk tech. Uh, He's an editor-at-large at at, uh, CNET.com. And uh, let's get back to the conversation. Hello, Ian. I have to say, every month I say this, I love the music that Tom, your producer, comes up with. It's yeah. just so fun. Yeah. It, it, of all the radio programs I do, and I do a fair number of them these days, I love the playlist he comes up with. Well, I have to say that. There you go. There you go. Tom is is uh, bowing right now. So, <laughs> um, All right. Let's talk a little bit about uh, these educational apps. Um yeah, so this is this is a little disturbing as well. Educational apps are sending your location data and personal info to advertisers. Yeah, uh, this is just a huge problem. So, you know, there are a bunch of educational apps on the App Store. And, oh, by the way, we're in the middle of a pandemic and a lot of kids are, are going to school remotely and relying on these apps. And it turns out that a lot of these apps are... Uh, behaving not that great, right? They are uh, sending to advertisers stuff, including your name, your email address, your location data, your device ID. And, of course, this means that they're able to better actually target ads at you, which is a huge problem, yeah. not not just because I, we're uncomfortable with it, right? Let's just all a- acknowledge that, unless you work for Facebook and Google and you're clearly okay with it. But, you know, it, that, it, it makes a lot of people uncomfortable. But then on top of that, the federal government actually says it's illegal to collect this kind of information for any kid under the age of 13 without a parent's consent. So this is a huge just can of worms of problems. And I, I'm really curious to see what's going to come of it because this is just, I can't, I can't even fathom that this is happening. Yeah. Uh, it, well, what, what's, what are they doing to try and stop this? Well, right now we're finding out about it. So, you know, these security researchers from the International Digital Accountability Council, they went through 496 education apps across 22 countries. And they found that 
a bunch of them were involved in this, right? So now what they're going to try and do is really promote this problem, right? Actually bring awareness to it. That's number one thing. And then what usually happens in these cases after we find out is that people tend to sue the companies or attorneys general pay attention, right? And they decide to sue the companies themselves. And that's the only thing that forces change because we've learned the advertising industry just does not care. They will they will do the lowest of the low and they just don't seem to mind it at all. And so the only thing that changes any of this is when the government steps in or when the courts step in. Yeah. Um, and you also in, in included in this uh, in this piece at CNET.com is the best back-to-school tech for under 100 bucks. Talk a little bit about that. <clears throat> yeah, one of the things that I think a lot of people are uh, are kind of dealing with is what to do with the fact that they're all stuck at home and all these other things, right? So we, we, we brought together a list of stuff that, you know, it, it's going to help you at least a little bit, right? It's not exactly always educational, but for example, you know, one of the things I think a lot of people don't consider is getting more smart devices in your home. So for example, uh, something like an Amazon Echo, which it, we were just talking about advertising, but we're going to give them a second. And, you know, having these voice assistants can actually be helpful because I don't know about you, but my uh, four-year-old now likes to ask every question under the sun, including questions about the sun. And having him be able to ask our voice assistant has been a little nicer when she can understand him. His, his, he needs to work on his enunciation. <laughs> um, so that's that's one of them, right? There's also a thing like the Fire uh, HD tablet from Amazon. This is a really interesting device. These typically are on sale, especially during the upcoming Labor Day, so keep an eye out. And one of the things about them is that they are so cheap. We're, again, 100 bucks are down or lower. You're able to use them as really good devices for when you're in the car traveling, the kids can watch their, their videos. And, of course, if it's under 100 bucks, you're not going to have your heart skip a beat every time they drop it on the floor. Right. Uh, it's all types of stuff like that that's really great. Um, another thing to keep in mind, I know it sounds a little silly, but the Amazon Kindle um, their their reading uh, device is actually still a really good device. You can actually connect it up with your library. We have instructions on CNET. If you have a library card, I know that sounds like last century, but you can actually get free eBooks from your library. My wife, she goes through uh, over a hundred of them every year this way, and it's it's really great way to be able to read books. Do it for free using a device like this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, but, you know, and again, you know, those are great devices. But again, the concern about these apps that are sending your location data uh, and personal info to advertisers um, is uh, is still, a, a, you know, a big problem and a big concern. Oh, it's huge. And I'm, I'm really curious to see how these companies respond. Uh, you know, one of the things I found that when I, I, I looked into whether or not Alzheimer's apps on the App Store, stuff that promise to make your brain smarter and, and healthier, whether or not they did anything. Of course, there was zero research that said they did. And so what ended up happening was they didn't actually start changing their, their advertising until I started asking them whether or not they had any scientific evidence to back up what they said. And suddenly, a bunch of them started changing their advertising. So mm. it takes people actually hearing about this stuff and really shining light on it to make a change. Okay. Uh, and by the way, uh, the piece is available at CNET.com. Um, all right. How about this? Walmart Plus is taking on Amazon Prime uh, with a, a $98 a year membership fee. Tell us about this. That's competition now. It is competition. So Walmart, uh, it, it's probably, 
no uh, secret that they really want to take on Amazon. And Amazon, of course, one of their their real kind of crown jewels is the Amazon uh, Prime subscription. It's $119 a year, and you get all sorts of benefits from it, right? You've got two-day shipping, sometimes one-day shipping. You've got the video stuff. You've got uh, music through it, all sorts of – it's just crazy what they do. Well, Walmart says that they are going to have now this $98 shipping service, and it's not going to have as much, right? First off, I mean, it's $20 cheaper, but also they're going to do stuff that's a little more focused on two-day deliveries. They're going to focus on making it easier for to actually buy stuff in the store. This is one of my favorite features in a lot of places is the scan and go feature, where literally you just pull out your phone, you pay, you scan whatever you have, and then you just pay for it on your phone, you walk out the door. How cool is that? Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're doing a lot of that type of stuff. They're not going to have stuff like the video or the music, at least for now. And they say that they're really focused on giving Walmart shoppers what they want. And one of the things I think when I've been looking at this is that Walmart shoppers are different from Amazon shoppers, right? I mean, they are of a different uh, financial uh, amount, right? Normally, the people buying from Amazon tend to have a higher amount of money. One of the things about Walmart is that they appeal very much to people who are on a budget. And one of the things that you see from Walmart is that as they're putting this together, they're very clearly focused on that, right? Including offering a discount on their fuel, five cents a gallon, at a bunch of the fuel locations that they're connected to. So I think you're going to see more of that when Walmart starts really making a pitch. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's going to it's, be interesting to see how this how this works out for Walmart. Yeah, I mean, I, I, they're, they really think that they can go up against uh, Amazon with this. And look, I'm, we all are dealing with subscription fatigue, I think, by this point, right? I mean, you're, you're talking about not just Amazon Prime and Netflix and all this other stuff, but like, I don't know if you have a Costco card or, or, or Spotify or Netflix or some of these other things. I mean, another one is a hard one to sell. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how it'll be done. But we did see with Target, they have a, a subscription as well called Shipped, S-H-I-P-T. It's $99 a year, and it's just for same-day delivery from their stores. And during the, uh, during the whole pandemic, uh, people couldn't get enough of it. There were no, uh, it, it was always sold out whenever and I looked at it in my neighborhood. So it's very clear that there's some demand for this. I'm just curious to see how much. All right. And uh, and again, this piece is at CNET.com, tells you all about Walmart Plus taking on Amazon Prime. All right. And uh, our last uh, story that we want to talk about, uh, TikTok. TikTok sale could be announced on Tuesday. Um, and, uh, well, for people who might not know what TikTok is it, because they're, uh, over t- 15, um, <laughs> <laughs> and just came back from Mars. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, so TikTok is going to be sold possibly. Yeah. So, um, first off what TikTok is, right. It's like the big social network f- uh, app for teens. It is, it is the thing right now. Yeah. And a lot of it is really popular because it's 15 or 60 second videos of people dancing to music. That's really what got it going. Um, and it's really cool. If you want to sound really hip to a young person, just mention the name Charlie D'Amelio or the song Renegade. That's all you have to do. You will be the coolest person of that minute right there. Um, but what it is is that TikTok because it's become so popular, it's also gotten a lot of attention from the U.S. government because it's a Chinese app. And the president of the United States has said that it is a possible national security threat. And he's not alone. Congress has said this. The Pentagon has said this. A bunch of companies have said this. So 
now he's starting to act on it. And he said that if, if TikTok isn't sold to an American company by the middle of this month, September, uh, he's going to ban it from being able to do any business in the United States, effectively ban it from the country. It would be the first time we've seen a government uh, from the United States, rather the U.S. government, ban an app. We have banned other things in the past. President Obama uh, banned a wind farm in Oregon during back in 2012 over similar national security concerns. Uh, he forced the sale on that one. But this would be the first time we'd see it on an app. And I'm really curious to see how this plays out. You know, right now, Microsoft and our good friend Walmart are said to be in a bidding war for it, as well as Oracle, which if you've never heard of them, I don't blame you. They're a database company. So I, I'm really yeah. Oracle, to see Oracle. I, I just know Oracle from the Matrix. That's the. the <laughs> 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 well, and to show how much of a nerd I am, I remember or, my favorite thing about Oracle was that they used to have an advertising campaign in Silicon Valley where they had all of these billboards that said "Unbreakable Oracle Databases," and the whole idea was that they challenged people to hack it. And of course, you know oh, what happened, right? Yeah. It got hacked. Of course, they did. <laughs> Wow. Wow. So, so, but people, people are, there are companies that are interested in possibly buying TikTok, correct? American companies. Yeah, no. And, and look, you would think that Facebook or, or Google or Twitter, you know, the, the pretty standard ones would be interested in it, but they're all under uh, antitrust. Review oh, right yeah. So they can't buy it, yeah. <laughs> you know? So now we've got all these other companies here like, really? Oracle, social networking, do they even have teenagers who are in their in their company? Yeah. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. Okay. Well, TikTok is uh, is is not not uh, waning in popularity, that's for sure. It's the hottest thing right now. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, it's it is massive. Uh, I I think an American company would uh, would probably jump at the chance to to buy it considering how successful and popular it is right now. Yeah, they'd probably be dancing when they win. <laughs> ah, there you go. So then they can TikTok that. <laughs> so, all right, Ian, uh, Ian Schur, editor and uh, at large at CNET dot com. Uh, go to CNET dot com for all your tech needs and updates and stories and reviews. Uh, and uh, Ian, always a pleasure to talk to you. And we'll talk to you next month. Have a great one. Okay. Absolutely. Take care. Okay, buddy. Uh, Ian Schur, editor at large, CNET dot com. Always fun to talk tech with Ian. Uh, and they do a great job at CNET. Seriously, it, it, uh, a really terrific job um, uh, covering the world of tech, writing the stories, keeping it updated. It is a, it's a terrific website. So check out uh, CNET.com. All right. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN.